Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. You have to spy him. The state shifts, back he goes. They run a stunt. He has trouble. Hit and down he goes. Back at the 47 yard line. Yitor Gross Matos. Journey Brown again. Breaks the tackle 15. Journey Brown to the 10, to the 5. Goal line. Touchdown. Penn State. Journey Brown from 18 yards out. And the Nittany Lions are on the board. Dobbins sweeps near side. Breaks one. Fumble. Fumbles a football. Loose on the turf. They go after it at the 8 yard line. Still loose around. Penn State's there, and the Nittany Lions recover at the 12-yard line. Trying to make it a one-score game. Levis up the middle. Will Levis, touchdown. Penn State, the Nittany Lions take the fumble recovery and make this a one-score game with 7.54 to go in the third quarter. Fields takes it, keeps it himself, hit by Tony, and then dropped by Antonio. Shall they fumble the football at the 36? Penn State's around it at the 36-yard line. We wait for them to uncover. He fumbled the ball for the second time today. Last kneel down. Penn State put a lot of game pressure on Ohio State in this one, but in the end, Ohio State has enough to win it. The final, 28-17, Ohio State wins it. They go to 11-0. The Nittany Lions with senior day next week against Rutgers, 9-2. Sean hasn't been 100%, and you lose an aspect of your offense when that's the case, and Will was able to come in and add some of the quarterback uh, running game stuff to our package, which I think was was important. Um, you know, and then late in the game, obviously, we had a turnover, and then, you know, we just, you know, first time Will's, you know, really playing any significant time and it's on the road in front of 102,000 and the O-line couldn't hear him and um, you know we got to be prepared for that we do it in practice uh, all the time but him you know dealing with it for the first time in reality obviously it was a problem yeah James talk about the fact you wanted some of the running game in the second half you got it what did you do different to get the running game going yeah I, I think the biggest thing is is we were able to break some tackles and you know they do a great job they're extremely athletic but some of those plays in the first half that we were getting tackled by an arm tackle we broke some of those so we changed some made some subtle adjustments up scheme wise um, and we had to get the running game going to take some of the pressure off of Sean um, because the last thing you want to do is be in third and long against this against this team so you know we were able to break some tackles and then obviously with Will we were able to get the quarterback running game involved as well which helped us. Yeah, Hammer ended up having three catches they kind of took him out of the game did they do anything different against him? Yeah, they were bracketing him. Okay. And, you know, typically we can do some things to kind of get him open. But the problem is those things take time. And with that defensive line, um, you know, we didn't necessarily have that. You know, missed a couple throws early on where we tried to get him the ball. But, you know, obviously people are going to bracket KJ. And, you know, typically we've still been able to find a way to scheme to get him, get him involved. And today with their pass rush made, made some of those, you know, things challenging. I know obviously you went into the game knowing that Justin Fields could run the ball. You know him as well as 
lose anybody. In the end, what kind of difference did that make uh, to help out Dobbins? Yeah, because you know we did a good job in, in the traditional running game and yeah. then um, were able to get him into some third and long situations and even some fourth and long situations. And and uh, his ability to make plays with his legs was, was a huge difference maker for their offense, uh, especially early on. No question. All right, good, tough, hard-fought football game. It is interesting that the perspectives that you get in a game like this. Uh, Number one, I think Ohio State is one of those programs that, against most anybody else, a lot of teams walk in there and they're already behind before they start. There's an intimidation factor. Well, Penn State's not intimidated by them at all. That's why when you're down 21 nothing, you still come back because you are not intimidated by them. Right? You're mad at yourself for being behind. So they get back 21-17. There was a lot of talk by some people about why didn't Penn State earlier in the game go for it on a couple of fourth downs. Once again, let's go back to the intimidation factor. Intimidation leads to what? Panic. That's one of the worst things you can do against Ohio State is panic. Okay? Don't panic. Penn State has its fair share of elite talent out there. And to Ohio State's credit, they turned around and scored on those two drives to make it 14 nothing. I had a chance to make it 21, then the fields fumbled. And he was clearly, he was about a half, he fumbled the ball about a half yard Wade got him about a half yard from the end zone. That seemed to calm and steady everything down for Penn State. But his ability to make a couple of fourth down plays with his legs, and let's be honest about it, the two throws that he makes for touchdowns, the one to K.J. Hill and the other one to Chris Olave, those are two NFL-caliber throws. You have to give credit where credit's due. And then, you know, and Dobbins, I mean, I've talked about Dobbins since, but you're probably sick of hearing me talk about Dobbins. Okay. You're probably sick of hearing me talk about Dobbins. Because I talked about him all season. I said, look, he's going to have a great year because now he's got a quarterback that fits his skill set. He doesn't have to split time with Weber, and he's got a quarterback that can move, which makes him more effective. Nothing against Dwayne Haskins. He was the right call at quarterback last year. Not Tate Martell. But it still doesn't mean it doesn't have an effect on Dobbins. Well, Dobbins played like that. Dobbins played like a great running back on Saturday. And Chase Young played like a great player on Saturday. Now, I want, I want to at least bring this up about Chase Young. Highlights are beautiful because it gives you a feel usually for the game. But it's so incomplete unless you're sitting there for the entire three hours and 20 minutes. Young had, in the game, four tackles for losses. Wow, that is impressive for any defensive end. He had three sacks. Wow, that's really impressive for any defensive end. He is a superior player. Wingspan, moves, get off, everything. He really is special. But when you really look at the totality of the game, all the damage he did were on three drives. The other nine drives, he was rather nondescript, to be honest with you. 
the other nine drives in the game, I mean, think about it. Okay, there was the uh, the ball went through the hands of Clifford, so Chase Young was there. Uh, Clifford was going down anyway. It's you know, it, uh, I know Rick Scarcella and I talked earlier. I mean, that's a hometown call in terms of giving him a sack, but that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Believe me, he was he was right there. And then the last two series of the game, he was all over the Penn State backfield, all over the Penn State backfield. The other nine series of the game, oh, he's around, you know, he's there, but he was not a dominant figure. He was getting some push in there. Uh, he was a little bit disruptive. He wasn't really that. He doesn't wasn't really a role player in the run game that much. Um, but he sure is a heck of a player. If I've got the first overall pick in the draft. There is no quarterback in this draft that I'm looking at going, whoa. He's the one player I look at and I go, whoa. I'll figure out the quarterback thing later. I'm taking this guy. I mean, he. I think, I think he's just that good. But Penn State had a day where Lamont Wade forced three fumbles, recovered one. Micah Parsons played well. Yitor Grosmatos played really well. Will Levis stepped into the breach. I thought Penn State's quick game in the first half was working. I thought the quick game they were going with was working. I thought they, there was you know a little more consistency with it, but they they could have really been effective with it. This coaching staff I thought did a great job. That when Will Levis came in, they then made sure that they were calling a series of plays that fit Will Levis's skill set and gave him the best chance to succeed, thus giving the offense the best chance to succeed. But back to the fourth down calls. I don't understand why you don't gamble for it to go there. No, you don't gamble and go for it there. Hey, if you are intimidated by the situation and you're intimidated by Ohio State, you go for it there. If you look at your team and say, yeah, okay, look, this is how we've won this year. Hey, we're going to dump the ball down in there. We're going to we're going to get our defense to stop, and we're going to get the ball back with good field position. We're going to make some plays. That's the mindset you need to have. Instead of panicking, the worst thing you can do is panic. Ohio State scored in its first drive. Panic. Okay, fine. I'll, you know, but instead of panicking, like okay, look, just stay patient here. Okay, got to make some plays. And in the halftime, he said to us at halftime to to Matt McGloin, he said, uh, he said, look, we got to run the ball better. So we're not running the ball enough, and we got to run it better. In the second half, they ran the ball. Uh, let's see, uh, NIT tip-off. Seattle leads Bucknell 37-31 at the half down in Orlando. Game's on Eagle 107 with Doug Birdsong. Earlier, Yale beat... Western Michigan by 26 points. Western Michigan just fought Oklahoma State to the wire. Yale just fought Penn State to the wire. Penn State won it by two. Penn State's got Ole Miss Wednesday at 4.30. Following this show, another broadcast extravaganza. Today's show is brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Purdy's have served this valley for decades, finding their Clients, their customers, their friends, the best insurance at absolutely the right price. Auto, home, life, business, bundles, whatever it may be, they'll take care of your policies throughout. And if there's ever a claim, they go to work as if it happened to them. Once again, customer service means everything. 
and a happy Thanksgiving from the Purdy family to yours. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Summer. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Also, a happy Thanksgiving from Tom Mertz and everybody at Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Paul Alexander from Pittsburgh, next half hour. Dave Cicchini at 406, Ritz Garcella at 435 here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Wow, catch scratch fever. Wow. Haven't snuck on Uncle Ted in a while. Well, sweaty Teddy. I was going to say. This is one of the first concerts I ever went to in the 80s. Really? Yeah, actually the second, second concert I went to. First one was Toto in okay. 1982. And then about four years later was Ted Nugent. Both were in the old Capitol Theater in Williamsport, of course, now known as the Community Arts Center. Right. Well, I think after Ted's concert, I, I couldn't hear for like four days after, the, after that show. I was like, whoa. Is it the Motor City Madman? That's, that the... that's right. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yeah, I asked the suit once about going to a concert. He said we wouldn't even attend his own kid's concert. All right. So, um, <laughs> so I, I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't feel like <laughs> <laughs> Son, I'm busy doing the halftime show. Can it wait? <laughs> but I'm in the band, Dad. <laughs> uh, right, right, right now, Michael Andretti's leading. <laughs> I want. I, I love to make it. Send me a tape. <laughs> Playing video games. Oh my goodness. You know, you can't. When you get into a game like that, the tendency is to think, "Oh my goodness, they're so good," and you panic and you do something you shouldn't do. I watched the Wisconsin tape. Wisconsin panicked. Wisconsin actually, to its credit, was playing pretty well in that game, but offensively they panicked. You know, they decided they're going to have Cone throw the ball more. Like, oh, what are you doing? Uh, and when you're really, really good, and Ohio State is. That's an element I think they count on. They count on you panicking. See, Penn State didn't panic in the game. It's like, uh, like no, it's Penn State got mad. I was sat back and went, oh, I can't believe we're doing this. You know, quote, we're better than this. And they started playing that way. You know, they ran off 17 unanswered points. They got within four. You know, and then even after Ohio State scored, they drove it downfield again and went, what, 44 yards in the drive, and then there was the interception. That interception really... Boy, Penn State has a chance now to make it a one-score game again, whether it was going to be 28-20 or 28-24, or maybe probably at that point you go for two. Because um, you can even get within a field goal. Because, again, you're playing to win. Right? You're, not, you're not playing to hang in there. You know, Penn State is years removed from moral victories. Years removed. When Penn State went to double overtime against Ohio State in 2014, it was like, wow, they really you know, did a heck of an effort. So Penn State was depleted. They took the eventual national champions to double overtime. Okay, so now you're talking about moral victories maybe in that case. Not anymore. Penn State's recruited itself to this spot. Every person that got on that plane right, thought deeply and believed that they were going to win the game. They didn't get on the plane hoping to win the game. They knew they were going to win the game. Because that's the attitude you have to foster and go to a game like this. Again, you can't walk into that place and go, 
Oh, man, I looked at the tape. They're really good. Oh, look at the crowd. They're really big. It's like, sorry, that's not how it works. So when you lose a game like that, you're mad. You don't walk out and go, golly gee, Willikers, we gave him a really good fight. Like, no offense, but everybody expected, you know, everybody on that plane expected there was going to be a really good fight. Now you got Rutgers this week. Did you see the uh, Scott Politi from NJ.com? Did you see his article about Greg Schiano? I mean, this was one of those wow things. I think it was just only a matter of time we were going to hear that Shiano was going to be taking over as head coach and just kind of, okay, what's the delay? What's the hang-up? Because it just seems like it was kind of marinating in the press for quite a bit. And then we found <laughs> out last night uh, both sides could not come to an agreement. Uh, yeah, but Politi wrote an article that really skewered the Rutgers administration about this. Evidently, the deal was going to be eight years for $32 million, so thus $4 million a year. And, But they didn't like some of the demands that Greg was making. And I can call him Greg. I've known him for 25 years. Well, he wanted more money for staff. Right? He wanted more money for staff. He wanted a practice guarantee. Shiano wanted $4 million a year, a $25 million guarantee, and a private jet. Private jet, obviously, to recruit. Um... He also wanted uh, uh, bonuses if season ticket benchmarks were reached. Now, you can only do that by winning. He wanted more money for staff. He wanted his own practice facility. Now, he wanted an initial salary pool of $7.7 million for the 10 full-time assistants and other support staff. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. For nearly 100 years, Purdy Insurance has been your locally owned, family operated source for insurance products. With a staff of over 20 and partnerships with some of the industry's most trusted companies, Purdy has the experience and resources to get the job done. Whether you need personal home and auto or complex business insurance solutions, Purdy will help you navigate through the process. Call today at 570 286 5855. Or better yet, stop in their Sunbury office to see what Purdy Insurance can do for you. 
Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Purdy's have served this valley for decades. Finding their customers the right insurance at the best price. I don't care if it's auto, home, life, business, whatever it may be. They know how to get it done. And if there's ever a claim, oh my goodness, they go to work as if it happened to them. Why? Because customer service means everything to them at Purdy Insurance. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And the Purdy family wants to wish each and every one of you a happy and wonderful Thanksgiving from them to you. Same story at Sunbury Motors. The great Sunbury Motors family wants to wish each and every one of you a happy and safe Thanksgiving. Each and every one of you. And they've got, oh, is it some great deals going on there, huh? Sunbury Motors. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. All right. Great to have you with us on the show today. And from us to you, I know we'll say this a couple times during the course of the week, but happy Thanksgiving from all of us to you. You can't do that. You know, if there's no audience, you can't do this. You can't. If there's no audience, you can't do it. And you guys have been unbelievable to us over the years. And you've done so much to make the show so much better. And again, you've been so responsive to everything we've done. We can't thank you enough for that. So thanks from us to you. And have a safe and wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. Enjoy it. And be back with us on Friday. We'll be in Brooklyn uh, Wednesday. We'll be with you in Brooklyn on Wednesday, and we'll be with you in Brooklyn on Friday. You're saying, but Steve, you have a game Saturday. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I'll be there for it. (laughs) Oh, God. So Yeah, we'll be there. That is not the main reason why it's a 3.30 kick on Saturday. We're just making that clear. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, will, I, I will say this. I caught a major break on right. this. Finally. <laughs> but you, had in the back, ma- you had it in the back of your mind. <laughs> I, I, I caught a major break in this thing. thing. Like, holy mackerel. Like, okay, we're going to be fine here. Uh, I mean, I mean, I would have made it back. Absolutely. I mean, that's not a problem. But it sure is a lot easier doing it this way. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's a lot easier. Oh, all right. With that, we bring in Paul Alexander, our good friend from AT and T Sports in Pittsburgh. Paul, to you and your family, that beautiful family of yours. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, thank you. Same to you and yours. I appreciate that very much. Ever-growing as yours is. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, Grandchild number six is now... uh, Yeah. Let's see. Let's see. You know, I was starting five and a a guy off the bench. Exactly. That's that's impressive. Not bad. Not bad. Uh Uh-uh. And I might get a chance to see her uh, in Philadelphia on uh, 
on uh, Thanksgiving because I got that tournament up in Brooklyn. So obviously nice. Thursday's an off day. All right. Uh, just, uh, just your quick thoughts on what you thought about the Penn State Ohio State game on Saturday. Sadly, uh, typical. Just, uh, you know, Ohio State is where Penn State wants to be in terms of talent. Um, you just saw what they did offensively against what I think is a pretty stout Penn State defense. They were unstoppable. And going all the way back to, you know, football one on one with Joe Paterno. You want balance. Not that you want to do exactly the same number of yards or plays on the ground as you do in the air. You want a defense not to know what you're going to do because you're efficient and proficient at both. Wow. <laughs> I mean, Ohio State is very proficient at both. When you run the ball like they do, we, we talk about the NFL now being a passing league and all the other things, but when you get right down to it, if you can run the ball and stop the run, you're going to win a lot more football games than you lose. No question. You know, here's an interesting part. Now, I realize he was just a true freshman last year. But, boy, I look at Georgia right now, and I wonder if Justin Fields is still there. I mean, are you still locked in with Jake Fromm as your quarterback? I would uh, certainly say no. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, why? Hey. This kid is, is dynamic. Yeah. The two the two touchdown throws I've said during the show were NFL throws. They sure were. I mean, this kid has it all, and supposedly there's going to be a learning curve for that first-year starter. I guess he didn't get the memo. <laughs> He's got 33 touchdowns and one interception. I mean, what, the the, <laughs> what, um, what more you get a first-year head coach? You got a first-year you know quarterback that's supposed to be oh rebuild, retool. Yeah. You know, three, four, five losses maybe would be acceptable and understandable, but not not with this group, but not the way they recruit and the way they reload. I mean, they become. And believe me, I am probably – I can't think of a program that I like less than Ohio State. Yeah. And I go back to Adam Talaferro and other things. That yeah. just uh, They've been classless in a lot of, thing, a lot of things. They yeah. really have. Yeah. But you can't question their ability and talent. can't. No. Uh, yeah, Penn State fought back in this thing and got it to 21-17. What does that tell you about Penn State? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're close is what it tells you. I remember one of the strangest conversations I ever had in my life was with uh, was George Paterno, uh, still doing the morning show, I guess it was MAJ or whatever, and we had George on, and he was talking about how you know Penn State had you know really played Miami tough. Yeah. I went, George, are we looking for moral victories here? I don't just sound like George. That's not, that's right, not no, no. Penn State. Right. Exa- that's well, exa- not Penn State. Exactly. And, I, and Jack and I actually said that in the postgame show. Like, you know, it was Penn State, Penn State. Penn State has recruited itself to, to, to a spot where they've recruited themselves back into this thing. All right. Correct. They've, they've recruited this and they've coached it back into this thing where now they're right toe to toe in these fights with. With Ohio State, for example, so there's no moral victory here because that team walked off the plane actually expecting to win. Maybe the people Correct. around them didn't think that, you know, the outside fine. world didn't, which is fine. But the people on the plane expected to win. They were mad they lost. That tells you everything. Yeah, I, I think there's no question, and I love the fact that last year, after the Ohio State game, you know, the coach Franklin said, "Listen, you know, we're a really good team, but we're not elite." That's who we want to be. And, you know, they're close. I mean, I think back, remember that 85 team that, uh, that lost to Jamel Holloway in, right. in Oklahoma yeah. in the Orange Bowl? Yep, had a, one, that, a lot, one, a lot, a lot of, of people, close games. A lot of people, yeah, a lot of people, you know, hadn't realized that 
that that team that came a, a year early. Yeah, you know, Joe nor any of the coaching staff expected that team to be that good. Right. You know, to be that close to winning a national championship. But sure enough, they did so next year. Right. You know, and they, they put it together in 86. And I think maybe this team, um, I don't think they have a quarterback controversy now, but they certainly now have a very capable backup that's going to have somebody's attention. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how that plays out. I, I really don't, nor, nor is that a problem. Having, having two capable players is never a problem. Uh, it, it's hard on the coach, but it's not hard on anyone else, and it's not a problem to have by any stretch. But this team should be primed to one not lose a tough game that was very winnable in minnesota don't don't do that when you're when you're seasoned and when you expect to win and again that's a big part of it yep um the mentality of how you approach and everybody wants to win but certain teams learn how to refuse to lose and those are the teams that win championships that no matter what's going on it's not a good day your quarterback's having a rough day or you're you're not getting the bounces or just there's there seems to be something working against you if you refuse to lose in that situation, then you can be a championship team. Right. And those are special teams. Those are teams that work together. There's a, those are teams that are totally together as a team. There's no friction. There's no, right. there's no different fractions or, or factions or, or anything else that, that are causing problems. It's everybody rowing in the same direction trying to accomplish. You know, it's a, it's a singular focus, and it's one goal. We're here to win, period. That's it. Right. And that's how they approach it. And I know that in the end, when you look at this, you talk about it, because I've thought about 85 many times during the course of this run. I've thought about it yeah. many, many times. But I felt like in, a little certain, bit early. in certain ways, remember what 85 did? They won a lot of close games. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And Penn State. Well, they were heart-stopping. Right. And Penn State went to Iowa this year and won by five. Penn State mm-hmm. beat Michigan by seven. Penn State then beat Indiana by seven. They beat Pitt by seven. They won close games that really forges something in you. 85 did the same thing. Yeah. I know that's a long time ago, especially for our, our younger listeners out I there. Know. They're like, what? I wasn't born then. Like, what are you what talking about? heck are those two <laughs> individuals discussing now? But that's The crazy thing is that we learn in sports, Steve, is that history. there are so many – you know, reasons to go back and check things out because the more things change, the more they stay the same. Exactly right. And look, I always felt that there are several elements to doing this job. One of them is to understand history. Oh right? yeah. To to say, oh no, I live in the moment. That means you. That means in other words, you really don't want to make any effort. Correct. Good. Okay. Correct. Good luck at your next job. Uh, <laughs> you know, I wish you all the best. Uh, good luck. Yeah. Good luck to you, sport. Uh, all right, I want to ask you about Ben Charrington, who uh, was the architect of the 2013 Red Sox championship, in which he did something bold. I mean, he did something very bold mm-hmm. in 2012. He dealt Josh Beckett, he uh, along with uh, Adrian Gonzalez and mm-hmm. uh, Crawford to the Dodgers. And even, even though he didn't get anything in return, what he did do was he shed payroll, and sure. then he used that money to then get players he thought would fit with what they wanted to do. What kind of hire is this now for the Pittsburgh Pirates? Well, they've done two things. One, you know, they went out and got Travis Williams, you know, the right. former executive with the Penguins, which, right. again, you want to talk about uh, an upscale, state-of-the-art, class organization. That is your Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, yep. Their facilities, their everything, yep. their mentality, they, they, they go to the cap. They, they, everything is built to win championships, and they've done so. Right. So, all right, there we have the, the backbone, the new president, and you know we, we all love Frank Coombe, another great guy. And, yeah, and absolutely. Considering what considering what he did in his time 
uh, as the Pirates president, he did a fantastic job. Agreed. But, you know, it, <laughs> you get to a point, and here's what you have to try to at best figure out. With these new, you know, you know, Charrington fits right in, you know, from the Red Sox in the last three years spent player development and other things with Toronto, which is another, mm-hmm. you want to talk about a tough place to be. You know, the, right. the American League East is not an like, easy place to win. You know, right. Toronto's had some fantastic teams that That's have right. been, you know, viewed as average because of the Red Sox and the Yankees, for heaven's sakes. But with those two guys, and now I think we're down to, you know, possibly two, you know, for the actual on the field manager, which, you know, without the other two, you know, good luck being a good manager if you don't have right. you don't have any players or a concept of winning or a culture of winning. But right. I think what they have established, Steve, is with you know with those two, uh, with Charrington and Williams, um, these are winners. These are people that have won and expect to win championships. Right now, if the ownership doesn't comply and if the ownership doesn't loosen the purse strings a little bit, well. You know, those two just got new jobs where, you know, they'll get paid well, but they won't be given an opportunity to win. So we need to see, as as, as a Pittsburgh community, um, we can't have a $70 to $80 million payroll for Major League Talent. Right. That has to be Milwaukee Brewers-like, which is like 120 130 Right. Which is still, you know, the, the bottom half of Major League Baseball payroll. And that's fine because they don't have a cap. You right. know, the, the game is flawed. The, the overall Major League Baseball picture is a bit of a mess. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we see what happens in Tampa. We see what happens in Minnesota. We see what happens in, in other Milwaukee, other smaller market teams. If you spend responsibly and you draft and develop, you know, very well, you can still compete. There's no, there's no question you can. It, you know, because it's been proven in. Uh, now Minnesota spent a little more money lately. They did. But it's been and so did Milwaukee. And, and Milwaukee spent a little bit more. Tampa Bay didn't. Nope. Uh, <laughs> and they fleeced the Pirates on their one big deal with the Archer trade. Yeah. They yeah. fleeced them. And but see, but that's the one time I have felt that the Pirates have gone against policy. Right. Because when the Pirates have made other deals, they did deal prospects, but they didn't deal their top line prospects. No. And with the Archer, they did, and it burned them badly because they got them away from the formula that gave them some semblance of success. Fair? Yeah. They they, well, they listened. They listened to the fan base. They they caved. Yeah. They needed to stay true to who they were. And, you know, listening to the fans and doing what's ever popular is never going to win you championships. Right. You really need to tune all of that out. I know. And if you start winning – you don't have to have a marketing department and any, you know, God bless all the people that do such great marketing oh. at Penn state and other places, you know, the whiteouts fantastic. I'm sure some guy had to organize that. Yeah, but you know what? Guido. If you, if you, if you win, yeah. you know what? I could be the marketing director at any place that wins. Well, easy. Uh, and I have no marketing skills. Right. I mean, it's, uh, I've always said that if you're really good and you're winning and you're not drawing, then you do have a marketing problem. Correct. Where's that happen? Right, and that's Tampa Bay is maybe the one. Tampa, Tampa Bay. I have a marketing <laughs> problem. I, my team is actually playoff worthy, and yeah, <laughs> it's because no one's no one's from there. No, every everybody. No one, no one grew up in Tampa. Every, Everyone is a transplant. Yeah, I mean the even the Orioles come to town, and they've got Oriole fans at the game. Exactly. Now, now, as the game goes, maybe they're converted to being a Tampa fan because the Orioles are just that bad, but still. Yeah, I, I would think, yeah. I would, I would have trouble staying loyal to that franchise right now. 
Uh, the Steelers. Wow. The, the Steelers. Uh, right now, they would be in the sixth playoff spot. Yeah, hey, they're a healthy six and five. Yeah. With probably the least exciting, productive uh, offense maybe in the history of the NFL. Uh, I mean. They're not good. They're just not good. Well, and that's what I remember. Who the, they, they won a game where it was tight. I can't remember who it was earlier in the year. And some Steeler fan said to me, he says, oh, they always play down to those teams. And I looked at him and I said, you don't well, seem they to understand. Okay? You're not good. <laughs> okay? No, you're you not, are one of those okay? teams. You're one of the teams that they're playing down to you. <laughs> it's like, it's, I know you're not used to it. No, it is. And it's, it's a spoiled fan base, but sometimes it's a delusional fan base. Yeah. You know, they're, right. they expect to win every Super Bowl. They expect to win every game. But with but all, right now, with all fairness, now, that, that defense, Tom though. coaching his butt off right now. Oh, this is his best coaching job. Mike, I think it's Mike. moved to the uh, dock yesterday and everything else he's done. They, they should have beaten Seattle. They should have beaten San Francisco. Yeah. They're two Pro Bowl players and, and – uh, Connor and Juju don't fumble in the fourth quarter in those two games. They win both of those. And then there's Fitzpatrick. Some guys know where the oh. football happens to be. Yeah. Wow. Next, Ed Reed. Yeah. I mean, he might be that good. Oh, I think he's. I think he's that good. He think, might be that good. Yeah, he's. And of course, Steelers fans here are crying about giving up that first round pick. <laughs> Why? Okay. You got, you okay. got beyond a first round talent right there. You got potential Hall of Fame talent right there. For something you have no idea what you're oh, going to get, okay, or what pick. So here's your choice with the first round pick in 2020. With the first round pick, the Pittsburgh Steelers select Minka Fitzpatrick, Alabama. That's what you've done. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, just two years later, and you know you, they paid all the bonuses, and yeah, you actually now I, I think you know his next contract's going to be be sizable, but at least it's going to be yours to pay. Right. I mean, you're not letting him go. No. No, you this, can't. I mean, he's a different type of player. He's a different right. type of player, but he's your Troy Polamalu. Yeah, he's 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 Ed Reed. Yeah, he's Ed Reed. I mean, he to me is Ed Reed, who when uh, when Bruce Arians oh, uh, was the uh, oh. coordinator here, they were playing ball. When he goes, well, we do have to prepare for the best safety in the game, and boy, Pittsburgh people were not happy. Oh, I know. But there was something to that. Ed oh. Reed was that good. Yeah, he was that good. And there's another part to that too, which I mean, I'm not sure. People understand, but uh, Troy Polamalu was a rover. Ed, oh, yeah. Ed, Ed Reed was a safety. They were, they, they actually in a lot of ways. Right. Lot, lot and of ways and played, Patrick is a is a safety. That's why I compare the two. Yeah, and he's a safety. I mean, as opposed to a a, I mean, that's the position Polamalu was labeled as, but that's not the position he played. Yeah, he was a hybrid, and you know he was allowed to do since he was such an unbelievable student of the game. Yeah, I mean, Dick LeBeau allowed him to freelance and do whatever he wanted. I mean, Ryan Clark, God bless him, had to do amazing things just to cover up for Roy, where where Troy was supposed to be. Yeah, but he did it, and without complaint. And he just you right. know said, "Well, he's going to make more plays than not. I'll go wherever." Because it was best for the defense, he'd do that. So <laughs> exactly. That's why, did, that's why he did it. I mean, it's. Worked out well. Uh, worked out really well. It always works out really well talking with you. Happy. No, Steve, it's my pleasure. Happy. Hey, 250 broadcasts for you and the Hammer? Yeah. Did I see that. that correctly? Yes, that's true. Wow. Yeah. That that's poor, pretty fantastic. That poor guy. 
Oh no. <laughs> no, 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 you guys, you guys have a nice thing going. Just keep it rolling. We've been very fortunate with the people we work with, the people around. Believe me, working with James Franklin and Patrick Chambers and those players and staffs, and I mean, you can go through the line of the Chris Petersons of the world, the Rose Carters, everybody. I mean, we've been really, really, really lucky with all of those people. Your Roger, Bobby Taylor, Jeff Tarman. I mean, yeah, I could even, th- uh, yeah, but, I mean. Th- but I just I need your opinion though, since you know all the players. I mean, when you get into a spot and you're like, do you thank Ron Moeller? Oh my God, yeah. Okay, good. I mean, he's the life. Ron Moeller is the life of every party. He's, every single party he's ever been to, he has been. He's the guy with the lampshade on his head. He's the guy that he's that guy. That like, if if someone did something memorable at a party, it's Ron Moeller. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, he's look, just that guy. Yeah, I mean, look, you go with Joe, you go with. Tom Bradley, you go with Bill O'Brien to James Franklin. I mean, I mean, has anybody been luckier than we have to work with people and staffs like that? No. And think, I mean, you know, the the Crimson Crushers. You know, only only Hammer, Moeller, and and, and the Bradleys would know who the Crimson Crushers (laughs) are. But but Rod Moeller, even the most, I think, the most notoriety of all those guys. He's probably the most famous Crimson Crusher. (laughs) That's our guy. It's he is gun. the man. He was starting quarterback oh. at, at Bishop McCord. <laughs> and Hammer says he was the best athlete that you know we had on our team, including myself. And those two can still be a formidable two-man team in a, oh. in a round of golf. You don't want to – Oh, no, you no, know, no. I, after, after things change a little bit, and I'll just say, you know, when you start in the first couple holes, they're average. Yeah. Then when a, a certain cart comes by and offers refreshments, oh. they become a whole lot better. Oh. And, and not only that, once you get to then the, unbeatable. Once you get to the ninth hole at the turn, oh, right! It's a, it's impressive how many people there like really no molar. <laughs> oh yeah, that's where again, that's where he's done a lot of his best work. That goes that goes tried and true uh, to uh, who he is and what he does. We could do a five part show just oh. on the mole man. Oh, he's he's a special individual. Oh, he is. Yeah. So, hey. quick, if you have a second for a quick one, sure. He he his his son who's a classic and a great young man. Brad. Wanted to be as crazy as we were, and, and wanted to be in, in you know radio and TV. Yeah. I get him an internship at KDK Radio. Yep. So I send him to Pirates to get some pregame sound. Just just I go just stick the mic in there. I can't make it over today. Just, just stick the mic in there and get Lloyd McClendon. Bah, bah, bah. No, what does he do? He goes toe to toe with Lloyd McClendon. <laughs> so much so that the, the, the pirate PR department goes in. Who is this intern? Who is this guy? We need him to be seen, not heard. <laughs> he challenged. He challenged Lloyd McClendon in his first day. Oh, all right, that's wrong. Okay. Can we have a little chat with Brad here? Can we can we chill him out a little bit? It was hilarious. It was oh, so his first okay. day on the job. Okay, let me give you one. And this also deals with Brad. <laughs> this also deals with Brad. Okay. We go through a season of tailgating at Beaver Stadium. This is years ago. Okay. Where every game was just it the weather was just not the best on Saturdays. So, Ouch. So Ron decides I'm gonna buy one of those tents. Okay. So Ron, so Ron goes out, buys the tent. Goes, calls up Brad. He says, "Brad, he says, says, let's take a little time here. Let's put it together in the driveway." So they put it together in the driveway. All right, he says, "All right, let's take it apart. Let's see if it all fits back in together. Make sure we have all the parts and everything." Brad says, "No." He says, "What do you mean, no?" He says, "We're going to take the thing apart right now." He says, "No, no, we shouldn't do it right now." 
He says, Brad, what's wrong with you? He says, Dad. He says, we need a far more realistic test. He said, let's have a few beverages, then do it. (laughs) 